Welcome to Light Warrior Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Can, author of the number one best-selling book, Sensitivity is Your Superpower, How to Harness Your Gifts, Fulfill Your Purpose, and Create a Life of Joy. And if you are brand new to this podcast, I would love for you to get my free guide. It's called the Sensitive Soul Empowerment Guide, The Three Ways of Navigating Your Way to More Peace, Positivity, and Personal Power. And you can get that at sensitivesoulguide.com. Now, today with me is a very important guest, and her name is Dr. Sherry Green. And this is the first time where we've had a medical professional on the show since the beginning of the pandemic, or some of us like to say pandemic. And I would really love to know, which is why I have invited her to the show, like, what is really going on in the field? <laughs> you know, because I, I'm retired. Uh, I'm retired from regular medicine for quite some time and no longer doing acupuncture or seeing patients in the office. And even when I did, it was a very small number of people. So I, I never really had to treat anybody face-to-face or even on the phone necessarily uh, patient-wise through this pandemic. And there's something that people are calling or labeling long haul or COVID long haul. So um, our guest today is going to be talking about like what's going on with that, like what's going on with the whole scene, you know, like what she's really, really connected to, to all these other uh, healthcare providers and researchers and things like that. So let's get an in on what's really going on uh, from, you know, that healthcare perspective. Now, uh, let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Green before we um, formally welcome her. So she actually combines science, holistic medicine, and empathy gained from her own personal journey, and we'll talk about that in a moment, to heal chronic pain, help people shift into that optimal health. Now, she's classically trained as a uh, podiatric physician and surgeon, so she's a real doctor, folks, okay? (laughs) Uh, And Dr. Green has experienced the miracles that occur when people use a holistic body, mind, and spirit approach to heal rather than being treated for a label you know, or condition or label. Um, so witnessing people shifting to better health by making changes to their diet, lifestyle, outlook, led Dr. Green to study complementary therapies and wisdom traditions and to hone her innate intuitive gifts, which a lot of our sensitive soul people definitely resonate with. So her scope of knowledge and compassion offer people hope and confidence that they can heal. As a leading restorative physician, Dr. Green works with patients in a scientific, holistic way to end chronic pain, boost immunity, and help them live a better life. So she integrates more than 30 years of scientific and clinical experience at top medical institutions with training in complementary medicine, including functional nutrition, I'm a big fan of that, energy medicine, homeopathy, herbal medicine, with Western medicine modalities to help restore peace of mind, um, you know, body and, and sense of self. And she specializes in solving persistent pain, mystery illnesses, and autoimmune. And some of these are very connected to our topic today. She is passionate and vigilant about helping those who are chronically ill to safely begin to detoxify from the explosion of chemicals, poisons, and pathogenic infections that we are currently up against, finding a way to survive and thrive in this uncertain environment. So without further ado, welcome, Dr. Sherry. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Karen. It's great to be here. That was a mouthful. And uh, it, it really, you know, one of the things I was just thinking when you were speaking about how uh, you work with sensitive souls and you've written a book for sensitive souls, and those are the people that actually find my practice as well, just mm-hmm. because my practice has always been holistic in nature for many, many years now, so I tend to attract the people that really want a practitioner who's going to meet them where they're at, they're going to understand their sensitivity, they're going to like really ask them about what their needs are and really want to know much more about them than like maybe the body part that they're treating. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So uh, uh, happy to be here, really happy to be here. Oh, that's fantastic. And and for folks, uh, you can actually find Dr. Sherry at www.drsherrygreen.com. That's spelled D-R-S-H-E-R-R-I-G-R-E-E-N-E.com. And we'll repeat that later on in the show as well. Um, so Dr. Sherry, as we go to medical school, I don't know about you, but in medical school, I mean, we really had to look hard <laughs> to find uh, empathetic uh, physicians that, that those of us that did not want to be cold, hard, analytical physicians to support yeah. us. So how did you get to that space of going from, you know, very typical conventional medicine training to where you are now? Um, great question. Well, basically for me, when I came out of my residency, and, and I really loved doing surgery, and it was just, it, it's, it was an amazing, incredible education. So uh, I am grateful for that. And But really what ended up happening when I went into private practice, and I think that, you know, medicine, the way the training is, they, you know, they, you learn a lot of information, you'll get really book smart, but being out in the world and working with real people with real emotions and real mm. mental emotional stressors and, and body stressors that we're, we're not always trained in, in how to read people and how to listen to people and how to figure out really those components of what's wrong and why some people heal and other people don't with the tools that you learn in school. So for me, I got really curious besides drugs and surgery how I could help my patient heal. So I started exploring lots and lots of different modalities um, that were out there to try to really uncover what was behind the root cause of like most of these conditions that people were struggling with and why did things linger? Why did some people, let's just say, in a podiatric world with plantar fasciitis and other people just like boom, got better in, in, in a month and you were doing the same things and What's different there? What else might be going on? And so that just led me to be really curious about healing and the art of healing and wanting to know more. And that just made me reach out and study with different teachers. And I just started studying, like, one of the first things I studied, of course, which a crossover was reflexology. And then I studied Mm -hmm. uh, nutritional medicine and herbal medicine and homeopathy and I started learning modalities like something called metamorphosis and cranial sacral therapy and I studied with healers and and hands-on and all of that was fantastic. Um, One of the things that stood out very largely for me was nutritional medicine because I would see where, and there's so much confusion out there today about nutrition and supplements and my God, you know, they can patients our heads are turned around where they say one thing and then that somebody else says something else and there's a conflicting view on all of it and so mm-hmm. it was really important for me to really dive deep into understanding that and I would use myself as a guinea pig all the time to be able to um, work through this because I was dealing with some chronic pain and I had pretty severe endometriosis back then and so I was, while I was trying to help my patients, I was help, trying to help myself as well. Mm-hmm. And I was exploring a lot of things that were out there to try to, to heal. And I had more, I had irritable bowel syndrome, I had sciatica at one point, I had chronic low back and neck stuff. And so there were a whole host of symptoms that I was struggling with, digestive issues, that they, I was functional and I was in life, but I was not functional completely, just being like kind of managing it. So 
that really always led me on this road to be very um, wanting to know more. I want to know more. I want to dive deeper. I want to explore. And then I would say that was like the beginning of my alternative medicine journey of like studying functional medicine and functional medicine testing. And there's so much out there that you can learn um, if you're so inclined and to bring it into your, your practice. Um, and then COVID hit and that kind of turned us all upside down, right? <laughs> right. Well, right. thank, well, thank goodness, goodness there's people, there's people like, like you that um, are able to integrate all this knowledge and have that ahead of time before COVID hit because people do say to me, I need to find a healthcare provider or do you know anyone online who's an MD or, you know, to, who could like, you know, teach me or show me what to do. And of course, I don't do that MD thing anymore, right? I'm just 100% light medicine. Yeah. So when there's somebody like you that shows up, it's like such a godsend <laughs> if you don't want me saying that. It works so well together, right? Because I'm all about energetic medicine and light medicine and light mm -hmm. and and how the, those pieces integrate into, like, I, I think they, in the best, in a perfect world, they can work so synergistically together. Oh, yeah. I always say to people that it's usually not one thing that makes somebody better. It's usually a combination of things, and it just depends on who you are and what you need at any one moment, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and it um I don't know how it affected you, maybe it didn't, but there are certainly a lot of my medical colleagues uh in, in multiple countries that were very affected in their um in their profession, MDs I'm talking about, uh, where, for example, in Ontario, the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario, which I used to be a part of because I'm you know, actually Canadian, although I live in the U.S., uh, they actually came down on, on their doctors and says, well, you, if you talk to your patients and uh, for whatever, what they interpret, you know, discourage them from vaccination, then you will be disciplined yeah. by us. And the doctor's like, excuse me? Right. Excuse me, wait a second, wait a second. I know my patients well. They know their own bodies well. And if I give them the pros and the cons and make their own decision, I'm going to get disciplined. Right. Right? So, mm -hmm. I mean, that didn't fly. And there was enough, you know, you know feedback, let's just say, that, that, that they kind of, mm, okay, that's not going to work. Right? But what if, what if there wasn't enough pushback? Right. Right? There's still people that are suing and, all, you know, all this kind of stuff, which is, yeah. that's the only recourse they have is, just do a big organization because they don't have any clout. Uh, if it's a, register, a registration or licensing authority, I mean, that's really scary to, yeah. to people. It really was. It was just restricted all over the place about what you could say and what you can do. And if you, you know, even, you know, spoke up even in a whisper about something, it was going to be problematic for doctors. Mm -hmm. and, and we rely generally speaking. Speaking, we, you know, in our society, we we still rely on that relationship with our medical professionals. It's such a sacred yeah. uh, relationship, and there's so much trust in there. Um, and if doctors aren't able to really advocate for the patient because they're afraid that they're going to get in trouble, they're going to lose their license, they're going to lose their livelihood, they can't feed their children, right? It's yeah. the same sort of fear that the restaurant owner has about being closed, not being able to feed their family. I mean, that's exactly that's intense. It very is. Intense. It's very intense, and it, it's a big topic, and it's been a struggle. And, and I am grateful for the doctors that have spoken out in the way that they have spoken out. 
um, some of the bigger name ones ha who have really just been saying, let's look, let's have a conversation, let's look at the mm -hmm. research, let's look at all the research, let's just keep talking about it rather than having just one train of thought going through this and saying, no, don't ask questions, just go do what we tell you to do. Right, and, and for me, I mean, I'm, I, I, you know, uh, being trained in medicine, you know, have that very strong left brain analytical uh, part of me. So to me, it didn't make any sense. I'm sure it didn't make any sense to a lot of people, but seemingly doesn't seem to phase other people, um, is that the people making the policies are not medical doctors in yes. the field. Correct. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait a second. So, so I've got friends and colleagues, okay, that are actually reversing like yourself, like reversing disease, right? Reversing, you know, the whatever's causing and contributing to chronic pain, chronic fatigue, diabetes, heart disease, They're reversing these things. But we're going to censor them and not listen to them. And we're going to listen to somebody who's, yes, an MD, you know, or multiple MDs who are providing policy, but they haven't treated a COVID patient successfully right. even once. And I'm like, why are we listening to them? I don't really get it. <laughs> I, I agree with you. I agree with you. And, and, you know, when I ask people even to, like, and, and I listen to patients and, like, they, it's their body, their choice, and they get to make the choice. And if they sure. feel that it's best for them, they get to make it. And I yes. just like to be the voice that says, well, you know, have we looked at everything here? And are you educated on all sides of what's going on? And then they get to still, you know, make their choice. But most patients I know don't even know what the VAERS reporting system is. So right, right. the vaccine adverse reporting system, and there's there's a lot to be looked at through there, and a lot to be uncovered to talk about side effects that are happening for people, and and what doctors are seeing in their practices, and most people have never heard of it or don't know what it is, and wouldn't know that you know that there's in less than two years that there's more side effects than in 5.5. .5 uh, years, it's a 5.5 um, amount greater than all the serious reports uh, for vaccines um, given to adults in the United States since 2009. So mm -hmm. there's an, a huge increase in problems that are happening and we're just kind of not talking about it enough and, um, and then helping people how to recover, right? Right, yeah, and we're going to delve into that in a moment. Uh, I, I'd love to talk a little bit more about this, This, you know, um, when, you know, COVID hit and um, all these things started to happen, like you're connected to other colleagues and things like that. So what exactly happened, like for you, for them, like people that you're connected to, like what was that experience? Well, being in the middle of New York City in, uh, at the time, it was, uh, you know, there was a lot of fear. Uh, we all had fear. We were all okay. un unsure about what was happening and, um, you know, living in the middle of New York City with like, you know, there was a, a ritual that was going on at 7 o'clock every night and we'd be, everybody be out their windows cheering for the, the healthcare workers and the people on the front lines. And, wow. uh, and it was very much like, people coming together. It was very, it was really mm. amazing. That part was just phenomenal. But it was very scary. People were very scared of each other. Like I was watching like fights happen in the middle of the streets of New York City when somebody was like too close to somebody else. Don't come so close to me. It was really, 
Mm -hmm. it, was a lot. it was a lot. And uh, so we got shut down and I got shut down out of my practice for a while. Um, so it happened March, I think March 16th was the right, last right. office there. And um, so I was home. I had already had an online practice because I was doing all these nutritional wellness sessions and I was already doing them twice a week and I was in the office three days a week. So I had an online community that started and it just became, you know, I had to grow that more. Um, and then I went back into the office in June, uh, mid-June, we went back in and, you know, under with lots of precautions and I started to see people. And first what I started to see at the beginning was there was just, um, when it started to move through, when the you know, the vaccinations, you know, seeing people with COVID. It wasn't seeing people with long COVID right away. You were seeing people who had gotten COVID or, and usually the people that got COVID, they were home for a while, so you weren't really seeing them. There were some people who were getting it very mildly and obviously other people that were getting it more severely. And mm -hmm. then when uh, what I started to see with when the vaccines were coming out, I really started to see an uptick in chronic joint pain. That was the thing I was seeing a lot with people. I was seeing new diagnosis of autoimmune conditions and I was seeing an uptick in joint problems. So somebody might have had an issue like in the past and all of a sudden they came in with the same issue and it was really that much more exaggerated. I was also mm. seeing la rashes. I was seeing people with like more fatigue. I was seeing people with like a chronic cough that wouldn't move, that wouldn't budge. Um, and then we definitely had the smell, loss of smell, a lot of patients with that. And then hair loss was a really, really big thing and sleep. <laughs> so these things started slowly trickling in and, uh, but I see a lot of those type of cases now where some people are just, they're stuck in what's called long COVID, which basically, you know, it's more symptoms that linger for more than four months for somebody. Okay. Uh, like, it's more like four, like I think they say four, four weeks, that it lingers for more four weeks, but most of these patients are like months and months that where it's lingering. And they have, there's a lot of neurological issues as well, but it's mm -hmm. a lot of fatigue, uh, brain fog, you know, sleep issues, headaches, things like that. And um, so you don't know what's sometimes what's long COVID and then asking people how many vaccinations that they've had and how that could complicate what's the picture of what's going on for some people and then also recognizing what's the, what's underneath like what did somebody come to this picture with already what was already my pieces that they were struggling with and most many doctors know now and you know one of the first people to talk about this actually was um, I don't know if you all know who Anthony William is but he spoke about long COVID being Epstein-Barr reactivated and now it's mm. in the literature it's everywhere that they talk about it's EBV reactivated and that's really what you see. You see like it's not COVID anymore that's causing the problem. It's their underlying herpetic viruses that their viral load is just gotten activated because their immune system took a hit and then basically their other viruses came out to play and that's what's causing more of the issues for people. Mm, yeah, that is so interesting. So just to clarify a couple of things, um, we have the people that supposedly got COVID early on before the vaccinations, and I think the long COVID diagnosis was prior to the vaccinations, correct? 
like the original uh, title? It, I don't think it, I, yeah, I think it was, but I don't okay. think it was. Um, was, was it not as common? Or? As like it wasn't like on the spotlight as much as it is like over the last year. Like I feel huh. it was probably there and we weren't, depending on who you were seeing and what patient population, but like because they were just looking at your really severe infection, they weren't calling it long COVID per se. Oh, okay, okay. So, um, so in your perspective, if I may, you know, paraphrase and make sure I am understanding, is that there was the, the trickle of these these symptoms that became kind of chronic stuff with with COVID, and then when the vaccines were introduced quite a while later, um, then there seemed to be kind of a, a, a even faster rise or a bigger, like it's more prominent that some of these symptoms were coming to your office or not your office, but you know, your practice. Yeah, I mean, I would okay. say from from my, you know, window uh, and actually speaking to other practitioners and being participating in some other groups that it was mostly like because you were seeing a lot of new viral infections even when people have gotten the, the vaccination. And so you were seeing things that were some people were getting through it very quickly and other people weren't. And so there was I was seeing more people who were vaccinated with more long COVID. Now, I'm not going to say that the opposite isn't true, that people with who get COVID do, that are not vaccinated, that they can get long. Of course, anybody can have long COVID, where it's just basically a lingering infection, because now, now there's all these flu bugs that are around. There's so many mutations that we've been through, and there's so many more pathogens that are floating around right now, and there's some that are more virulent than others. And it really depends on that person's immune system, which is key to talk about, which, of course, Mm-hmm. If we would have talked about the immune system in a little larger, more powerful way of teaching people how to support their immune system, we might not be in exactly the situation that we're in, but most people are immuno, a lot of people not even knowing they're immunocompromised are immunocompromised because of the way they eat, their diets, things like that. Um, so I think it is a mixed bag, really, of mm. And, you know, there's a lot of infighting about that, and I don't like to get too <laughs> because it, it just, you know, creates more conflict all over the place. But it, in general, there's, there's, you know, lingering infections on both sides of the story. Yeah, and, and we won't go into this because it's not necessarily something that's in, you know, um, uh, your, you know, what you're exposed to, your wheelhouse, but there are cer- certainly uh, some medical doctors uh, uh, who have really talked about, wait a second, there's the germ theory and the train theory, and the germ theory guy, you know, uh, kind of made up a bunch of stuff, uh, and the train theory guy, you know, was actually correct, and so now we're even questioning, you know, are viruses really the bad guy, or is this some sort of plot, like make us think that it is, and, and in German new medicine, or Germanic healing knowledge, uh, they talk about how they're actually helpers, that they're kind of like the firemen that come to a fire. Now, of course, you know, some of them, they have, you know, certain bacteria and things definitely have toxins, right, like cholera, and, you know, uh, that can really be uh, fatal. Um, uh, so that's kind of up in the air. I mean, certainly um, looking at some of that, I thought and I assumed in medical school that when they said they isolated a virus, I thought, well, yeah, I kind of know I used to do biochemistry I know what an isolation is but then it's not really that (laughs) so that's kind of up in the air and that's where that you know division among doctors can be as well right the minority saying hey let's question this is this even really true that 
it is an infection, my neck of the woods, I'm like, I, I can see both sides or multiple sides, and I'm like, well, actually, it's a bioweapon, so it's actually not an infection. Mm-hmm. But what other bioweapons have they had over the years, right? Right, right. I agree with the bioweapon, and I, I do believe wholeheartedly that it was, like, out, released. I, I've heard what you're talking about a lot. Um, I actually still, you know, from my belief system, I mean, you know, I like to be open and listen to all, everything people are saying, and that's why I listen to so much, and so much mm. of my is devoted to listening to as much as I can because I do like to hear all sides, but I really do feel like it is a live virus um, that has happened, and I understand what people are saying on the other side. I still... I'm still falling in the camp that it is a live virus, but I do feel like there are other things that are happening that are really um, uh, planned and let out and complicated, and it's really hard to think. For a lot of people, I think it's hard to wrap your mind around a lot of that, and that's Mm -hmm. where um, it's upsetting to think anybody wants to hurt anybody, right? So true, which is why there's a lot of what people call cognitive dissonance, right? They don't even want to hear it because that would mean their whole you know, perception of the world has to flip on a dime and that's not okay. Like some people are not going to, they're going to be so traumatized by that that it might do them more harm than good necessarily to force. Here's the truth and I'm going to force it on you, you know, uh, than it is to let them play out their whatever it is, you know, because no one, not a single person on the planet, well, maybe the aliens, I don't know, but not a single human on the planet can say, I know everything perfectly. I have divine right. truth running through me, and I know everything without a filter. Like, eh, I don't think so. So right. I tend to have one foot in multiple feet, I guess. Yeah, like I can get the whole, you know, we have an isolated virus, da, 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 blah, blah, blah. And at the same time, it is a bioweapon. It was engineered. And uh, the spiritual part, right, like we can act in, in my test uh, modality, we can actually test these things. There was a consciousness. Yes, for sure. There's no question. There's a consciousness. The, the interesting thing, Dr. Sherry, I did not warn you I was going to tell you this, but <laughs> so partway through the, the pandemic, I was checking on, I, there's a, we do muscle testing and I connect to source and ask if I'm allowed to know. In this case, I was allowed to know. I said, okay, so, so give me the pathogenicity score or virulence score of, yeah. you know, of this thing. Like, as I asked God, is it, is it natural? Is it, you know, uh, no, it's not natural. I said, so is it man-manipulator, man-made? I got a yes. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Because that was really early on, right? I was not going to publicize that, right? Because I have no proof except, hi, I talked to God. This is what God told me. So, so I'm just seeing how things are playing out. And so I said, okay, give me the virulence score out of 10. 10 meaning really horrible, deadly, you know, whatever. And zero meaning not, it's like water, right? Not a big deal. Right. So I get, like, it's like a you know, a four. I'm like, that's right. it? Okay. <laughs> so I said, well, give me, like, give me the, the, you know, the last three years, give me what was the pathogenicity of the flu. Okay, what we call the flu. Well, it was a six. It was worse. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, well, that's interesting. And I said, well, so I'm just asking, can we kind of turn that down, right? And I did get permission to do that. So we did turn it down to a two or something like that for the, what we call COVID. But then, if, you know, some time goes by, I just, you know, we saw a little rise in, you know, supposedly deaths and COVID or whatever. So I checked in again. I said, are you sure it's a two? <laughs> and, got, and I got the answer, it's a four. And I'm like, hey, I thought we turned it down to a two. What the, what's going on? Well, what happened was negative thought forms from humans mm-hmm. affected this thing we call a virus and made mm-hmm. it more pathogenic or, path, mm-hmm. you know, pathogenic. And I'm like, can I protect the virus from human thought forms? The answer was yes. So we did that. <laughs> so 
So we did that. So protected the virus again. So humans were infecting the virus with our thought forms, and, and the universe wanted me to know that, that both are true. Like, we can go one way or the other. Virus can so-called infect us. We can infect the virus. So uh, I thought that was fascinating. It is, it is definitely fascinating, and I've heard and I've actually been part of uh, some training groups in the past with, um, with all of those lines of thinking, and, and, and mm. I hear you with that for sure. I also do think that uh, it's very hard to have that conversation that it wasn't as bad as what... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's not going to be <laughs> a very popular. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that... Um, you know, there's a lot of ways of, of looking at it, for sure. I think it was treated very poorly at the beginning, uh, and I think it was mishandled. But obviously, they're going to say, you know, we didn't know any better. They're going to say they didn't know any better. And, you know, jury's out for me on, on that one. But I do believe, um, you know, your thoughts and, and obviously affect everything. And uh, I do believe that there's frequency patterns and all of those those types of things and I, I agree with you I think there's a certain density sometimes that majority of people have to deal with because yeah. there's a lot of trauma for people and they can't always be in that same place and uh, so working with people on a physical level and really respecting the energetics mm -hmm. at the same time is kind of the flip place that I fall because I do believe our food is frequency. I believe eating yeah. high frequency foods are going to change your cellular makeup. I believe, you know, you just vibe higher when you're eating more fruits and vegetables. Like it's just kind of, for me, I feel like it's kind of a no brainer how you feel in your body when you're taking out processed foods, when you're cleaning mm -hmm. up things mm -hmm. and you're letting mm -hmm. your body naturally detox the way it should and we're parting in a lot of foreign things in our body and we're complicating our body with like chemicals that we're inundated with and um, processed things and, and even alcohol and caffeine can really mess with people's bodies and their brains and their minds and so I think that all of it to me kind of goes together to work with some right. that depends on where that, like I, my personal belief, and I, I don't know enough about your practice, Dr. Karen, but, um, which I'd like to know more, but I think that it, you can do the energetics, but I also believe that you still have to, you know, work on the physical body so that if you're just Absolutely. Energetics and you're just eating pizza and drinking beer and exactly. having hot dogs, like I just don't think you're going to get to the same place. Nope, nope. I mean, we are physical beings. We're all spiritual beings having a human physical experience, I guess. That would be a better way of saying it. And so we are here to have that or, or produce that heaven on earth experience. So if we're not honoring our body temple yeah. and, you know, uh, and we are giving it low vibrational food or water or things like that, um, I don't think the universe is going to necessarily let us get away with it. You know, it, it's, you know, and I, I find that as a person gets so-called, quote-unquote, higher vibes, oftentimes those addictive patterns, the sugar, the whatever, unless it's, there's a deficiency and that's why they're craving it, uh, sometimes they just go away, yeah. you know? So, you know, somebody says, oh, I'm really high vibe and everything like that, and they're completely addicted to sugar. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Are you sure you're high vibe? I'm not going to say that to the face, but, you know, yeah. there's a little bit of, hmm. Are you sure you're balanced? 
And, you know, there's certain environments. So if we're going to go along the lines with that there, there is a virus and the virus exists and there's mutations and there's bacteria and there's fungus and there's parasites, whatever, you know, wherever you want to fall with all that. And I know I, I hear where you're coming from. I, I do feel like if there's certain foods that are going to like feed a problem, then we may want to, you know, not have those, those components in our diet if we're trying to get it, uh, a handle on our chronic right, right. Conditions and if we're stuck, if these people are stuck with all these, you know, types of symptoms, it's, it behooves them to let's say, okay, let's take some herbs, let's take some supplements, let's clean up, let's try to clean up the diet a bit. And uh, you know, I've seen in my own practice that make huge a huge effect for people. Mm, yeah, abs absolutely. I, th I think we we cannot you know cut the you know, cut, cut the body in these pieces and go, well, I'm going to work just on the energetics, <laughs> right? And, and because we are a holistic organism, approaching things holistically, uh, I agree with you, it's very, very important. And whether or not you believe or not believe in viruses or whatever, uh, there might be, they might be the placeholder for now, Yep. We don't know what you are, but you're a placeholder. You happen to be at the scene of the crime, so you know what I mean. You know, we don't know what to think about you, but you're the placeholder. So that's our way of going. Okay, there it is. Like when I test for infections, I get a yes, but maybe in the future I might get a no that it's not really an infection; it's something else. Like I don't know, but I still get a yes for infections. Um, when because I'm a medical doctor, right? So it's and so the universe gives me the answer based on my current understanding and beliefs. Yeah. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about like? Like, what, what, what do you see, at least functionally, physically, is the issue with so-called long COVID? You've talked about some of these symptoms. So is it like an ATP problem? Is it a clotting problem? Is it an oxygenation problem? Like, what's the underlying physiological mechanism for these symptoms before we delve into some solutions? Sure. Well, you know, like I said, if, if you're... If your immune system is, is kind of taken down by whatever, and we want to call it, we're going to call it a virus for now, we're going to call it a pathogen, and if your body's trying to fight off a pathogen, it can cause havoc in many different systems, your endocrine system, your neurological system, your reproductive system, your, you know, your heart. There's, it's, these, these viruses form what's called a neurotoxin that actually affect our vagus nerve, our phrenic nerves, our cranial nerves, and they can cause inflammation. So there's like two things that cause inflammation. One is injury and the other is a pathogen that can actually cause an area to be chronically inflamed long term. So when the body should be able to heal something, there's something that's causing inflammatory response. Now, I've seen energetics kind of clear something up, but then I see it come back. So I, I think that there's, because I, I come from your place, Dr. Karen, like I've been there and I've trained in, in that way as well. And I've also trained in the way of like looking at food as medicine and using herbs to be able to knock down a virus that's, is these neurotoxins are really affecting. And I've seen tremendous relief from that as well. So that's really the way I look at it is these chemical neurotoxins, toxins, sludge that gets into our you know, our cells, and, and I don't think it's a mitochondrial issue, although that's like side effect, but I don't look at it like we got to fix that per se. Mm, I think okay. we got to like clean up the liver. We have to clean, we have to detox the liver, the lymphatic system. We have to like get 
the body functioning better. We have to c clean out the poisons that have just kind of settled in different areas of the body. So that's kind of the way I look at it. And I look at, when I look at vaccinations, I say, okay, so this is an added toxin that just came in. So whatever else mm -hmm. is in that vaccination, there's toxins in there, there's adjuvants. And a lot of people react to those. And it also, when we talk about where that vaccination doesn't stay in the arm, it does move to all areas of the body and it, it can cause problems for a lot of people. And so what I say is we got to clean up, we got to clean up, we got to clean up, we got to clean out. And that to me, I mean, there's so many treatments out there these days that are talked about for long COVID and vaccine injury and some things that are just, uh, I just don't think work at all. There's some medications that people put on, but I still think that that complicates the picture long-term because okay. medications do have side effects. Mm. Um, I don't think that fixes people 100% unless they're doing it alongside of, like you can say low-dose naltrexone, like that's a, a common mm -hmm. thing, and I, I don't think it works. I, I really have seen it oh. work, not work, and when it does, it acts like an anti-inflammatory. That's, okay. That's it. Okay. So, wow, we have a lot of things that are really good for that. <laughs> yeah. In, exactly. in non-medical, uh, yeah, yeah, that's really neat. Exactly. And I see people, one of the things that I wholeheartedly disagree with is intermittent uh, fasting for these people. And mm -hmm. they talk about autophagy and about like yep. fasting. And, and I, most of these people that get, uh, a COVID, a bad flu bug, or long COVID, their adrenals are shot. And if you take somebody with a, a low... I was just going to ask you that. <laughs> that's perfect. Adrenals, and you start having them fast, that is the wrong way to go. Wrong way to go. Well, I've uh, actually I've noticed, uh, I was going to ask you about that, that adrenals uh, piece because you were talking about cleaning up detoxification and I had made uh, a mistake previously uh, as I was, you know, conventionally trained MD going into more holistic stuff of, uh, you know, let's just say aggressively yeah. uh, detoxifying someone with uh, DMPS. Yes. And uh, their, their elimination channels, you know, that was not strong enough. They did have adrenal fatigue, chronic fatigue, right. and uh, their skin ended up with a whole bunch of bumps. Yep. And uh, we stopped that real quick. Um, and I was like, oh, thank God, you know, nothing else happened. And yeah, and I heard other stories later about how people's kidneys shut down, you know, when they're trying to detox. So tell us about, you know, you said detox is necessary, cleaning out is necessary, but how do you balance that <clears throat> with the whole fatigue thing, adrenal thing? Well, you want to do it carefully and you want okay. to do it really gently. I'm not for aggressive detoxing. So it's good that you asked me that because I don't want to have somebody uh, go into because the, the adrenals can't handle it because when you're detoxing your adrenals are going to be taxed more and these people coming off of long COVID or long infections or flu infections that they are depleted and so you don't want to do that so it's really you got to meet your patient where they're at and mm. you have to do things you can do things that are detoxifying but in a very gentle way like just to give you an example, the minute you lower your fats in your diet, you're going to start to cleanse. So that alone is when you're like, and I'm not saying anybody needs to be, you know, a vegan or vegetarian or whatever the diet wars are that go on right now. We just talk about when we're trying to heal from something, when you take out like animal protein and you're lowering the fats and even that's like, you know, high nut butters and 
what coconuts and nuts and seeds and, and all the and olive oils and like when you start to lower your fat, you actually thin your blood, you oxygenate your blood, and you actually allow you to target the pathogen that much more because you're gonna if you have more oxygenation in your blood, it's gonna not be a, a, an environment for a pathogen to thrive. So that's one piece of it. And then you're also gonna be um, able to take herbs and be more effective with herbs when your blood is thinner. So in the short term, it's probably the best way to stay starting somebody to detox when they're been chronically sick for a while. Oh, that's super interesting because, you know, I have this background in acupuncture and Chinese medicine, although I was not an expert in, in the dieting part, mostly acupuncture, I uh, was not an expert in, you know, that piece of it or the herbals or anything like that. And I remember my colleague who I shared space with, um, she was telling the adrenally, what, what I would say in Western medicine would be the adrenally fatigued people um, in Chinese medicine, they tell them to eat red meat. Yes, correct. I know that. And, uh, and then I talked to Pam Colleen and some other, you know, Weston A. Price, you know, talk about, you know, adrenal fatigue, what we're seeing right now. And they're like, yeah, people are eating, you know, like probably out of imbalance in facts, but fats, but the uh, grass-fed, you know, um, high-quality animal fat actually helps the adrenals because it's the only thing that has vitamin A. If you have a lot of nuts and butters and things, you know, not butters, but you know, nuts and other things, uh, omega-6s, you have an imbalance, and you, that is not helping your adrenals as much as the saturated fat. So, I, and I understand that theory, and I've, I've explored that a lot, for sure. Mm -hmm. And I would say, in general, the adrenals need to have a stable glucose. That's really the issue. And if we, if we think about it, most majority of our planet eats a, a high-fat diet and a high-animal plant diet and why are there so many millions of people that are really sick and they're adrenally exhausted and I, I wouldn't in my experience it isn't what heals the the fat isn't what heals the adrenals to me is like a balanced blood sugar meaning with glucose and mineral salts and being able to have you know healthy carbohydrates like I'm not about a low carb high protein I, I've seen a lot of people do that and end up in a really bad place and in the short term somebody can do it it just depends on how sick you are but the people that are the sickest ones really can't sustain that and their adrenals don't make it if you keep giving them animal protein what happens with animal protein like they can't process it no and it's like a steroid effect you're giving them like when people say oh I feel so much better on animal protein but but they're getting a jolt it, it, it has a steroid effect on our bodies so to truly that makes sense the adrenals you really need to like give them a chance to reboot and recover and honestly most people the reason why they eat this high fat and then they don't eat for hours and hours and hours because the fat is you know sustaining them but when they change and they lower the fat they end up having to eat you need more calories to be able to sustain that blood sugar so I'm a fan of eating oh, you know, sure. more often right when you start to lower the fat you gotta eat more often Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And of course, you know, there's, there's, you know, a lot of times when they talk about, you know, whatever the fat is, uh, you know, currently the keto, whatever. A lot of times they don't, you know, sometimes people call it dirty keto. 
Yes. Right. Because <laughs> they're like, okay, well, you can do pork rinds, right? That's keto. And you can do all this, you know, cheese. And they don't talk about like raw cheese. They don't talk, you know, they're just like cheese, you know. Right. Uh, I don't know, really? Yeah. And then Chinese medicine is definitely not cheese. They're like, no, 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 no for right. cheese. Um, and then, you know, and then the Western A. Price people are like, hey, you know, if, if people are doing all these, you know, nuts and whatever they think is, you know, higher fat, but there's like mold and then there's, you know, um, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so I, I've noticed that, uh, you know, I tried the keto thing for a short period of time and my body, like I can tell when I'm low, low in fat cause I'll actually want to crave, I'll crave chips, <laughs> but, um, cause I go way too low. Then it's like, okay, uh, I did this vegan thing today and I'm really starving <laughs> and I, I really want to eat a bag of chips. So there's a, there's definitely, um, and you might have not had, like on those days when you're trying to be a little more vegan, like, and then you see I'm starving and most people go to crave, we, like we have a fat addiction and we get, we, we, we crave it, but we're not really getting enough, like of the leafy greens and all your mineral salts and, and the, the, you know, a good carbohydrate, like a sweet potato or like squashes or, um, you know, sugar good sugar fruit sugars like and, and but eating it in a balanced way and that's really mm-hmm. the education that most people don't have so the ones that don't do well aren't really maybe doing it correctly and and i've been paleo believe me i've been there done mm-hmm. that tried to explore with it and it's just a really fascinating journey when you learn when your body starts to get more you restore the glucose in your liver, because our livers are much more sluggish, they're much more fatty than we even know, even if it doesn't show up, once it shows up on a blood test and it's, you know, fatty liver, you're, you're more advanced, but most of us walk around with that and we don't even know that we are, so it's, it's hard to transition sometimes, that's the tricky part, and that's the part that I do with my patients and my practice is like really helping to take them slowly, methodically along the way to be able to get them in a balanced state to not, and to help with the cravings and to help with a, a gentle detox, not a heavy detox in, in any way, shape, or form. Mm, yeah, yeah, I, I like that gentle detox definitely. Um, and and uh, you know, we talked about the the blood sugar. Um, you know, I, I think I was disturbed a little bit, like some of my my well, various different you know friends all over. But you know, vegan or vegetarian friends, and I, I just see them eating so much fruit, like or just add already a balanced so-called vegan you know diet, and then adding you yeah. know bananas or adding this high sugar fruit to that, and then I'm like, I don't know, like your insulin's going to spike and you don't have the fat in the diet to balance that out. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, everybody's controversial about these different things, but it, you know, it, it, I'm concerned like if they go too low fat that they're going to spike and their insulin's going to be spiking as well. But you know, I was hypoglycemic for many, many years and that was one of the reasons why I was always told and I was eating protein at every meal. And the interesting thing is, and it's a really interesting experience you should try for yourself. If you eat, an apple and you have some mineral salts with it, meaning celery sticks or cucumbers, it's the much more balanced experience that your body has. I used to be able to eat an apple without almond butter or like some fat to be able to seemingly, Mm. I have to slow the glucose into my system. And it actually doesn't necessarily work that way. So if you eat an apple and you try to have some mineral salts with it, you'd be surprised how much more stable you feel. Ooh, that's cool. That's cool. Now, is mineral salt something that you prescribe? 
Well, mineral salts in the I, I prescribe them in the uh, food. You know, I have people eat it using that with understanding how mineral salts are green vegetables and and celery sticks and cucumbers and spinach and spinach are amazing for mineral uh, restoring mineral salts in the body and kale and all your leafy greens. So when you combine fruit and greens together, it's a whole different experience. Not a big fan of arugula, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, I used to constipate it every time I would eat kale, and then I'd eat a steak, and then I'd poop. And I'm like, seriously? <laughs> like, what is going on with my body, you know? Yeah, um, I yeah and yeah, it's, just, it's just so funny, you know? Uh, and then, of course, you, you, you listen to Dave Asprey, right? And he's like, kale is not your friend. I know, I know. It's got all this, you know, toxins in it and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and there's, you know what? It's just, it's there's so much crazy information out there that patients get so overly confused and then they're still running around feeling sick and they go from functional medicine doctor to functional medicine doctor mm. and they get a, bu a whole bunch of new pills and they're still, I, you know, I mostly see patients who have about 15 to 20 symptoms and they've been sick for a long time and mm. it, it's amazing to see the sickness. That's probably the biggest thing awakening for me through this whole experience of working you know, with these intuitive wellness sessions with patients and getting the sickest of the sick that are coming to see me and looking at these ages like in their 20s and their teens and their 30s, they're so, they have so much wrong and, and I'm blown away by yeah, that's so sad. How, sick, how sick people are. It's really mm -hmm. unbelievable. Yeah, we normally didn't see, you know, some of these chronic diseases in very yeah. young people. And even before the pandemic, I started having these 14-year-olds in the office with chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia. I'm like, I don't remember diagnosing anybody with fibromyalgia at that age yep. during medical school, right? And yep. so I was like, wow, our environment is really kicking our butts here. <laughs> it is kicking our butts. Exactly. Our environment is kicking our butts. Uh, and the more we move along with like, and even with the cleaning solutions, like I have a lot of multiply chemically sensitive patients mm -hmm. and it's been hard for them. It's just, you know, it, the toxins in the fragrances are, are kind of off the charts right now. Yeah. And I think the, uh, unfortunately the, the vaccinations have uh, accentuated that uh, yeah. many people. I mean, I tested energetically and then, you know, you, you have your data for sure and it seems to align uh, that we seem to be having, you know, a spike, you know, in, in uh, autoimmune, um, also chemical, you know, sensitivities, and of course, heart, uh, you know, uh, strokes, um, heart attacks, myocarditis. I don't remember in my medical school days ever seeing, I, I didn't see one case of myocarditis, although I heard about it, you know, in, in young people, but it was so rare. I never saw a case of that, and now we're seeing it left, right, and center, young people having heart attacks, like 30-year-olds. And um, I don't know if you've seen this. 20-year-olds. Have you seen a lot of cancers show up as well? Yeah, I was just going to say, and that's what's happened. Is, and it, uh, the cancers, unfortunately, are, are killing people. Well, either that or they get treated and they get killed. So I don't know <laughs> which one it is. But it seems like the diagnosis just pop out of nowhere. Right. Not to say they didn't have whatever was going on, but that it seems to have accentuated or accelerated the process somehow. Yes. Yes. 100% has accelerated it and uh, or reactivated cancers, the cancers that were in remission. Mm -hmm. And I've been actually really hearing and reading a lot about that. It's not necessarily things that people are reading about, but I also see anecdotally, I have friends who have like been telling me that they have, you know, four or five more people in their, in their circles that have just been diagnosed with something. 
Right, right. Yeah, so this isn't just our imagination or a bunch of, you know, conspiracy yeah. theorists, uh, you know, talking out of their butt. <laughs> this is actually what people are seeing, actual medical providers are seeing. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. It's, wow. it's, tough. it's tough for people, and that's why I say, you know, uh, you got to learn how to take care of yourself. you got to learn how to take care of, know how to take care of your immune system. you got to know some of the right things to keep on board to protect your immune system, things like that. Mm, yeah, that's, uh, that's fantastic. Um, do you have any, uh, before we go, I want to make sure people know where to find you. Um, that at www.drsherrygreen.com. That's spelled D-R-S-H-E-R-R-I-G-R-E-E-N. And there's an extra E there, dot com. And then you can also see her on uh, Instagram, which is at Dr. Sherry Green and Facebook which is Dr. Sherry Green as well. So um, any other pointers that you'd like to share today before we talk about how people can connect with you and maybe learn from you or even get treated by you? Sure, sure. I would say, you know, the most important things in my eyes to, for people to keep in their herbal medicine cabinet are um, some, obviously zinc, and zinc's been talked about a lot. I, I, I happen to use a lot of... a. Uh, so, uh, supplements from a company called Vimergy, V-I-M-E-R-G-Y.com, and they have just, I found, because I've been using supplements for 30 years now, um, that their their supplements really are so pure, they're so clean, and they work. Um, so I use their zinc and uh, with patients, and I use their micro-C, and I use their B12, which is a liquid B12. Uh, their B12 has a combination of methylcobalamin and adenosylcobalamin, which is really good for nerve repair and for the brain. Um, I pretty much get people on so C, and I love propolis, and I love their golden seal uh, for like natural antibiotics to be able to either mute, boost the immune system or kill off kill off bugs, but you know, there's a few others that I use as well. Um, uh, curcumin, curcumin is some fantastic because it crosses the blood-brain barrier and it's so great for inflammation, as well as thyme. Drinking thyme tea or making thyme water, that, that's super, super helpful. And like I said, you know, I kind of, when somebody's really sick, I take them off of some of the offending foods. Like I do take them off of dairy and I do take them off of eggs and gluten and soy and corn and canola oil and pork and those are the big ones that I take them off. Um, they can decide when they're better what they want to eat in their bodies and how their bodies do but those are some of the big ones that I take out. Well, I think I might have lost you here. Oops, I had my mute on. Uh, <laughs> uh, so do you, do you uh, give them any uh, vitamin D or do you just have them go out in the sun? No, I do give people some vitamin D. I get, I'm not a big, huge fan of like 50,000 grams. I, I usually give, you know, a couple thousand, sometimes five, but like the most is like a couple of thousand and obviously getting sunshine is, is the best, but sometimes we're in the those climates where you're not getting, it's not easy to get that, you know, natural sunshine, but uh, I do give people some D for sure. Oh, and okay, melatonin is really important as well. Ooh, that's right, melatonin. Tonin, yeah. And um, just uh, one last question. I just forgot. I, I forgot that I forgot. Um, is uh, people want to know uh, what's the mechanism behind the loss of smell? Do you do you know? 
What's the, say it again? Like, why are people losing smell? Or is that just something they're noticing for the first time, even though they've had it before? (laughs) Yeah, that's those neurotoxins attacking the vagus nerve. And when you work on, and I work a lot with people with vagus nerve issues, um, and help them to recover the smell and the loss of taste, for sure. Okay, great. So maybe uh, you can share with folks that when they come to your website, like how do they connect with you, contact you? Yeah, I mean, you can email me at drsherrygreen at gmail.com, but on my website, there's a a page that says work with me, and you can look at, I like to work with people. You can do a single session, but I do like to work with people in packages because Mm -hmm. they need more support. And what I've found is that the more support that somebody has through the process, um, that it really just gives them uh, what they need to get through because there's a lot of changes that sometimes need to be made and they people need a support system and it's not just in and out of a doctor's office. You need to have somebody right. that really understands you and understands what you're going through, the different stressors, and they need a lot of hand-holding at first to be able to get through. That's why I've created these packages where Mm. there's more interaction for people, that they know that you have a partner who's walking side by side with you to get you through to the other side of it. Oh, that's that's so valuable, Dr. Sherry, especially, you know, given your uh, background. I know when people come to me and they're just so relieved that I'm a medical doctor. So when they say, okay, I'm taking this medication, I don't really know what it's for, right? They're they're not, you know, coming up with some of those hands off, well, I can't really deal with you. (laughs) Because I don't know too much about that, right? But you do. Right, and we're taking the fear out, right? Taking the yeah, fear yeah. out for people um, is so huge. Oh, it's so huge. Well, Dr. Sherry, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much uh, for sharing your wisdom and you know what you've experienced, uh, and especially behind the scenes as well with, with the long-haul COVID. We have a lot of beautiful gems here today. Really appreciate your work, and I'm sure my audience does as well. Thank you so much, Dr. Karen. I really appreciate being on your show. I I really am grateful, and it's been great talking to you today, and I hope to continue the conversation sometime uh, in the future. Yeah, sounds fantastic. And I want to thank everyone for tuning in today. Until next time, lots of love, everyone. Bye for now. Bye-bye.